0: This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that music can only mean one thing. It is time for a Rogue One review. I am Nick Serrano's editor-in-chief and host of the Chicago Podcast Network. Very glad to be bringing you this special edition of, well, I guess we'll call it Nick Reviews. Uh, AJ can't be with me today. He's not feeling very well, so I've decided to be the... Wonderful boss that I am, since I don't pay him and give him the day off. Also, he hasn't had a chance to see the flick yet. So I'm just going to talk to you guys for a little bit about this movie. I won't break it down. I want to get into some of the Easter eggs. I want to talk about some of the amazing achievements in the story. But also, also what I want to talk about is quite simply the fact that I love this movie and i i thought it did a lot of really cool things that we'll get into before i do that this is time for i guess we have to do it officially this is a spoiler warning 321 spoiler warning 321 this movie is going to be spoiled in this review if you don't want to know what happens turn the show off now thank you for downloading it please come back later and you know listen to the show afterwards but don't listen to this and then Get mad at me because you got stuff spoiled. This is a spoilerific show. We are going to go on a journey together. By we, I mean me and you, the listener, because this is, this is a participatory thing. You listen to me and absorb whatever weird things come off of my brain. This is starting off poorly because I have no one to talk to, and I haven't done a show by myself in a while, so bear with me, but it's on a topic that I love. It is Star Wars. Before I get into the movie, I want to tell you guys a little story in 1993 i was at school at a catholic school in glenview illinois i had realistically one friend uh, my buddy tony who you've heard on the show before he also talked to us about star wars a couple times my buddy and i were really good friends when we were kids and the last day last week of school i think third or fourth grade We got the Scholastic Book Form. Now, for kids out there, or for parents, you will remember the Scholastic Book Form. It was a catalog you got once a month, and it basically was a list of books that were available to buy. And under the summer reading section, books for your kids to read over the summer, was a collection. It was called Star Wars, the Corellian Trilogy. And it was my introduction into something that is called, beautifully, the Expanded Universe. Now, this is the difference between people who like Star Wars Super fans, geeks, and nerds. Fans of Star Wars have seen, at this moment, eight movies. If you've seen Rogue One, you've seen eight movies. Three prequels, three original, Force Awakens, Rogue One. All right? Eight movies. I have not seen just the eight movies. I have watched every episode of the show, The Clone Wars. I have watched every episode, to this point, of Star Wars Rebels, I, which is a cartoon on uh, Disney XD, of all things. My point of that is that there is a lot of Star Wars out there that is not really known to a lot of people. And when I got that book and I read it and it became, I don't even know how to put this, entranced in part of their universe, it was absolutely amazing. And I love the idea of going beyond what we've always considered Star Wars, which is the Skywalker story. You know, we call them episodes, but realistically it's, You know, here's the story of Luke Skywalker. Here's the story of Anakin Skywalker. We don't know who Rey is yet, but we know that the Skywalker clan is a part of it and it ends with her finding Luke. That's important. And the Skywalker stuff is the main plot of the Star Wars universe as we've conceived it. But to me and to my buddy Tony and to a lot of Star Wars fans out there, there has always been... The other part of this universe. I have said many times that my favorite character in the Star Wars universe is no one you guys have ever paid attention to, is a guy named Wedge, who is one of the X-Wing pilots in the first Star Wars movie when they attacked the Death Star. There are two X Wings that are alive at the end of that fight. One belongs to Luke Skywalker, the other belongs to Wedge Antilles. Wedge is also the pilot in the X-Wing behind the Millennium Falcon at the end of Return of the Jedi when Lando is piloting it. Wedge is the only pilot to survive both Death Star runs. The only one. Which makes him, in my opinion, the best pilot in the galaxy. So, I have always loved Wedge Antilles. Unfortunately, he's not in Rogue One. But the reason that I'm bringing him up is that it's a character that has realistically three scenes in all the Star Wars movies. Okay? But... He has a rich backstory in novels, in comic books, in the video games that are important. And there wasn't time period where what was talked about in the books was also reflected in the video games, was also reflected in the comics. Uh, For those of you who are old enough to remember the Nintendo 64, there was a game that came out for it called Shadows of the Empire. And what it basically did was take, uh, it was the idea behind it was, What if we released everything that we would release for a movie, but we don't make a movie? And so there's a video game, there's a comic book, there's a novel. And they take place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It's a cool little concept. The reason that I'm bringing that up is that this all kind of flows into the idea of Rogue One. Which is, there's more to this universe than just... Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, and the people around them. That there are other facets of this universe. And what this movie did was bring the expanded universe to life. Now, let's talk story. Pretty basic plot in that we have a little girl when the movie starts off who is on the planet with Hannibal, Mads Mickelson, who's also the bad guy in Doctor Strange, but it's Hannibal, so that's kind of weird, but okay. But Mads Mikkelsen is there. He is on a farm. It's clear that they're in hiding. The little girl sees an Imperial shuttle come over, one of those big tri-wing things with the wings that fold all the way up to the top, make it look like a cone. Flies over their farm. She goes running, tells her dad to try to hide the little girl. Little uh, The mother tries to hide her. She runs back when she shouldn't, sees her mother get killed. And then her father taken away by the Empire. They don't find her. Instead, Forrest Whitaker, playing a character from one of the cartoons. Again, this is expanded universe come to life. uh, Shows up, takes her away. Presumably raises her for about 10 years till she rebels against him. Leaves. Gets in some problems. Gets locked up. Gets freed by the rebels who want her to reach back to Forrest Whitaker. So that Hannibal, Mads Mikkelsen, can get a message containing the death star plans and everything to the rebel alliance that's the basic plot of the movie now i don't want to break down the entire story there are people who are better than that and if you've seen the movie you already know what happened so i want to focus on just some of the moments that really stuck out to me one of the things that this movie does so well and that not a lot of other star wars movies have done is this is a war movie okay this isn't a fantasy story this isn't lord of the rings in space which is what star wars kind of is this is and i don't want to say saving private ryan because that's a different kind of thing this is inglorious bastards but without the tarantino so that's not really fair it's it's very similar in a lot of ways to some of the john wayne frank sinatra world war ii movies that my grandma used to make me watch as in We know that they're up to something, meaning the Empire. We don't know exactly what it is yet, and we need to figure that out, and we need to figure out how to stop it. And in a lot of ways, it's similar to Von Ryan's Express, which is an old Sinatra movie. Um, Some of you may know, some of you may not. Look it up. Great flick. What this movie does is it gives you an idea of the scale of the war of how far this galactic civil war is reaching, one of the coolest aspects of the movie is you go. One of the. Th- okay, how to put this right? If you watch the original three Star Wars movies, each movie generally takes place in three locations. In Star Wars, it's you're on Tatooine, you're on the Death Star, then you're on Yavin, and then you're in space fighting the Death Star. Realistically, that's what it is. And then the Millennium Falcon is there in between. In Empire Strikes Back, you're on Hoth, you're on Bespin, you're on Dagobah. In Return of the Jedi, you're on Tatooine again, then you're at the Rebel base, then you're on Endor and on the Death Star. Jedi, it's, it's like 3.5, right? Because it's kind of hard to figure it out. But realistically, you're in three locations in all three movies. Not this movie. In this movie, we go to eight, nine planets, I think. By the end of it, we go back to Mustafar. We see Coruscant for a second. We get uh, the planet Jedha, which is the home planet of the Jedi. We get... Um, A tropical planet named Oradu we get a planet called Scarif we get all of these locations and it builds this story into going this is taking place across the galaxy as it would if the United States government was building a massive weapon it doesn't just get built there right it takes resources from all over the country if not the world to make it work this is the idea of the building of the Death Star one of the coolest aspects of this movie is as the plot gets going, you start to realize that Hannibal, Mads Mikkelsen, who plays a character's name who doesn't really matter, uh, Jin Erso's father, the main character, she, we, we find out that the reason that he agreed to help build it is that if he doesn't help, they're going to build it anyway. So in what made me think of the idea of Schindler's List, where we are deliberately making faulty weapons so that our enemy that we are working for cannot win so we create failing devices was a factor in this he decides they're going to build it so the best thing that i can do is build in a backdoor weakness that can be exploited by the rebels to blow this thing up and when you think about that it's genius because one of the best jokes on the family guy star wars special is you know, we, everything seems to be fine except for the fact that there's a little exhaust port that if we get hit by a torpedo, it'll blow everybody up. And they go, Well, goes, well shouldn't we get rid of that? He goes, Yeah, but it's going to be expensive. If prices no. Uh, let's just. The idea being that the Empire was just cheap and lazy on the design. But no, it makes sense. He's designed it with the weakness so that when the rebels finally get the plans, there's a reason why they aim for that one exhaust port on the Death Star trench. Genius storytelling. There are moments in this movie that shed such a cool little light on minor aspects of the first three Star Wars movies that you can see getting into something bigger. I want to talk about that a little bit later, though. What I really want to talk about is (laughs) Peter Cushing. Now, I say that name, and most of you listening don't know who that is. Peter Cushing in the original Star Wars is Grand Moff Tarkin. He is the one who is Vader's boss, the one who, when Vader is choking that dude in the staff meeting, goes, Vader, release him. That is Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing is a world-renowned British actor. Uh, I believe Royal Shakespeare Company played Dracula, played Sherlock Holmes all throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s, until he died, okay? Peter Cushing is dead. He's been dead for quite some time. He died in 1994, okay? He's in this movie. And not only is he in this movie, he's in like 12 scenes. He is a major character in the film. It's mind-boggling. A dead man is in this movie. It is nuts. He is there. It's the same performance. I don't know how they pulled it off. I'm really excited to learn about that, but... Grandma Tarkin is in this movie the whole time. I it 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 blows the mind. And once that happened, it kind of opens the door to a lot of other possibilities. Okay, because the fact that they were able to do it when they start talking about some of the other ancillary characters, like, well, I wonder if we'll see them or not. And skipping ahead all the way to the end of the movie, Princess Leia is in this movie. But not Princess Leia as you saw her in Star Wars Episode 7. Not Princess Leia as you saw her in Return of the Jedi. A 19-year-old Carrie Fisher is in this movie. How is that possible? Uh, Magic, I assume? Because I've worked with CGI enough to know that that would have taken... Look, it's an iconic character. You know exactly what she looks like. She looks dead on. It is bizarre, but amazing. And you get a shot of Princess Leia. The use of other characters from the main story made this absolutely phenomenal. Uh, The guys from the bar that Obi-Wan Kenobi cuts off the arm off of, they make an appearance and they're still rude dicks. R2D2C3PO make an appearance in this movie. Jimmy Smits. From Episode 2 and 3, the one really good thing in the prequels other than Ewan McGregor makes an appearance in this movie as Bail Organa, Leia's father, and it works perfectly. The woman who plays Mon Mothma, which none of you know that name. Again, I've read all the books. Mon Mothma is the leader of the Rebel Alliance and eventually goes on to become the, God, I'm such a nerd, first president of the New Republic, at least in the novels that I read. She's the woman in the white dress who gives the Death Star plans in Return of the Jedi. She's also in this movie giving Jyn Erso the military briefing before she goes off on her mission. It is fantastic. This movie does some amazing things with plot and connecting the dots from one thing to the other. You get this wonderful opening of a universe beyond just what we've seen before. At the same time, a lot of people say this is, you know, it's not a Star Wars movie in that it's not an episode movie. I don't know if you can really say that because this movie leans so heavily on the first Star Wars that it almost feels like if you were to redo this, you could re- not even have the end credits or the opening crawl, and you literally would get just one three-and-a-half-hour movie that flows together together, and make something amazing. It's wonderful. Some of the stuff I want to get into. Other, other than that, is you get an idea of the dark side of this war. Uh, Diego Luna, who plays Conan, uh, canaan uh, in this, is is awesome. He has a scene early on where you get the idea. You know, he he shoots a guy in the back just for being afraid, and it, you get the idea that it's something he's done before. He doesn't like it, but he's reluctantly comfortable doing it because he believes he's doing it for a greater good and you get the idea that this is a dude who has been fighting this war his whole life you know which is messed up because he's like 25 years old but he says he's been doing it for 20 years that's great alan tudyk from uh firefly fame and you know him as pirate steve in dodgeball Play is the voice of the Imperial droid that you've seen in the trailer that's part of their crew, and he is hysterical. It's a droid that basically doesn't have any tact, so it just says whatever it's thinking as far as their ability to succeed in a mission, which is also amazing. This movie does a fantastic job of introducing you to some cool characters. Um, There is the blind Jedi character, who is, honestly, in many ways, leans into Star Wars' past of, let's be stereotypical here, and it's an Asian blind man with a staff who believes so strongly in the Force, yet has no Jedi training, and then he's got, basically, his brother with him, who is a gun-toting maniac of, uh, the best way to describe him would be to say he's Cable from the X-Men. The movie does a great job with those two. You get a pilot played by... um, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was in The Night Of on HBO. He's great. Uh, Forrest Whitaker is awesome, makes a really strange choice in the voice that he chooses to use for the film. He's basically Rebel Alliance Darth Vader in a way. It's it's different, but because it's Forrest Whitaker, it's awesome. The Mads Mikkelsen, Hannibal, is, is outstanding in, in his character. But without a doubt... My favorite uh, actor in the movie, because I am a wrestling fan, unfortunately for me, is the character that is made to play, the actor who they cast to play a character named uh, Director Credit. He is the guy in charge of the government program to beat or to, to build the Death Star. And as you watch this movie, he does such a great job of being a piece of shit. Uh, He's played by an actor named Ben Mendelsohn and you don't really know the name, but you know him from stuff that he's been in most notably, you know him from his role in the dark Knight rises. He played John Daggett, the guy who was trying to take over Wayne Enterprises and eventually falls through the ice after Bane says to him, and you think this gives you power over me? It's, a wonderful performance for a villain he has some amazing scenes with Darth Vader who is also in this movie and we'll get to that in a minute as well there's a lot of cool things that take place but more than anything else it's just the fact that it simultaneously feels like Star Wars but feels different than any Star Wars you've ever seen uh, it is action-packed there's really I would say three or four minutes of film that felt like there wasn't something, or wasn't a ticking clock or something to be really done. You feel the urgency of this movie. I think is the best compliment you can give it. As you watch it, you feel constantly this pulsing ticking clock of get going, get going, get going, get going because everything that you're doing is going to take too long. I really loved it. I, I, I loved the way that they presented that. But Ben Middleson's, uh director Krennic is wonderfully evil and what i mean by that is he has no redeeming qualities this isn't vader where he's so cool that you root for him this isn't even uh christoph waltz and in glorious bastards where it's like such a charming performance and you like it he's just evil and you hate him because he is the perfect representation of bureaucracy and an evil government he's the kind of guy who you know in like Nazi Germany had no problem with what they were doing, but never got his hands dirty himself. That kind of guy. He carries himself with that air of that, that arrogance that only a true evil villain can have. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh when you watch the movie, if you see it a second time, really pay attention to his performance. Watch Felicity Jones' Gin Ursa. She is unbelievably good in this movie. But now I want to get into the three big points of this movie before I end this for today. Number 1. Darth Vader is in this movie, and it's not like a little bit. He's in three or four scenes and they are amazing scenes. They give Darth Vader a goddamn badass line where he tells one dude who he's choking, Ben Medelson's director krennic He you saw the movie if you're listening this far. When he chokes that dude, and he's like, "Don't let your aspirations choke your future." Director credit is fantastic. I loved it. Some people were uh, that I've heard have like rolled their eyes at it. I thought it was cool. I like the idea that Vader has a little bit of a personality. Uh, then there's what can only be called the hallway scene. About a year ago, allow me this build-up. Uh, Daredevil was released on Netflix, and on Daredevil on Netflix, there was this scene in episode two or three where daredevil walks down a hallway and it seems like it's a single shot kind of that whole uh birdman thing where you watch daredevil walk through a hallway and proceed to get the shit kicked out of him while he's kicking the shit out of a lot of people and by the time the fight is over he looks beat up as fuck but it's this amazing action sequence where he's walking through this hallway and he takes out a bunch of uh like drug dealers or whatever and he gets beat up as he doesn't okay This movie does a version of that minus the part where the guy gets beat up at one point a bunch of the guys who are carrying the death star plans are locked in a damn hallway with darth vader and he proceeds to kill everyone in that hallway in about 10 seconds and it's not even a question, like the minute they see that it's him, they just either want to escape or get the plans out of the room. They are aware of the fact that they are going to die. It is the first time in cinematic history that you see legitimate Darth Vader, not Anakin Skywalker as Hayden Bitchface, but as legitimately a badass where he is a force of nature. Like you are in a room with Darth Vader and his lightsaber is on. You are going to die. How you choose to react to the next 30 seconds are going to determine a lot for how the story goes forward. It is awesome. But here's my favorite thing of this movie, and it's, it's the second to last thing I want to talk about. Everybody dies. And what I mean by that is every hero that is on the poster of this movie is dead at the end. Every single one. Okay? Think about that. They are all dead. There's not going to be a Rogue 2 because all the members of the Rogue One crew die and they all get their own death scene and it is fantastic. It's, And the reason I say it's fantastic is as you're watching the movie, there's a part of you that has been trained, well, at least one's going to survive, right? Maybe it's going to be Jin, maybe it'll be Diego Luna, maybe it'll be the Joy, but at least one of them is going to make it out alive because this is the world we live in we have to have a sequel to this movie and no everyone's dead and not only are they dead they all have what the klingons if we can cross universes for a minute would refer to as a glorious death they die in the service of something their death has meaning and merit and there's a reason why they're comfortable with their deaths the way that it comes and it's fantastic. Each person meets their own demise in a wonderful way and goes out in a lot of ways in the way that they want it to, which is very touching. And it starts with Forrest Whitaker, and you get to the end of the movie, and all the way up to the end, I'm expecting a last-minute heroic you've seen it a thousand times here comes the it's 2012 with john Cusack. here comes the crushing world well of course they're going to get on the plane and get out no that doesn't happen not only that there comes a point with each person where you see that moment of resignation where they are aware that their death is upon them and they're okay with it you know it's 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 a wonderful thing and it's it's a very cool way to do some storytelling so I, I, I like the fact that everyone died because it meant that it had a purpose to their death, which was fantastic. The last thing I want to talk about in relation to this movie is what it means going forward. I love star wars i think if you've listened to this show if you've listened to our other episodes if you were there at our event last year at the pickwick for episode seven i love star wars there is star trek is my religion star wars is my mistress and i enjoy the how to put this i I enjoy the fantastical elements of star wars Uh, lightsabers, and Jedi, and all of that stuff. But really what I like about it more than anything else is that it is a fully flushed out universe. That it has rules, and it has characters that you can use over and over again. And what this movie did really, 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 really well was sell you on an idea of a Star Wars movie without Jedi. There are no Jedi in this movie. There's the, the... the Asian uh, character who actually is a Hong Kong movie star um, by the name of, I want to make sure I get his name right, that's all it is, uh, Wen Zhang is wonderful in this movie. Um, its He's good, right? I'm sorry, actually, I got that wrong. It's Donnie Yen is his name. Donnie Yen. He's a martial artist and a Hong Kong action star. He's been in a lot of movies of his own. He's really good. He was an IP man. He was in Blade 2. He was uh, in Jet Li's Hero. He plays basically a Jedi, but doesn't have a lightsaber. And the fact that there's no lightsabers except for Darth Vader's really does mean something. It means that these movies can go beyond the struggle between the Jedi and the Sith. And look, a lot of you out there might be going, well, I don't care about it. And that's fine. You don't have to love every aspect of it. But for someone like me and people who really love Star Wars, I would love to see a movie that only takes place on one planet and it's just the story of one battle. Or let's go in forward or go back 100 years and do an old Republic storyline. We can now... Take this and and move forward with it. Not to mention you can do TV shows, comics, novels, all based on the idea of, look, we have proven that we don't need the Skywalkers to make a story work. We can go past it. They can be window dressing and they can be on the edges of stuff. But realistically, sometimes the best stories are going to be the ones that take place separate from the episodes. Wonderful film. I had so much fun watching it with my friends. Um... It's, it's always good to go to a movie. I went on opening night. I, I always recommend that for people if you're a big enough fan. But more importantly, it's just it gives you with everything that's going on in the world. And if you look back at our podcast for the last six months, it is depressing story after depressing story after depressing story after Trump after depressing story after Trump and cabinets and just horrible shit. And then I get to go see Star Wars. And for about two hours, I forgot that Donald Trump was a thing. And honestly, if there's no better review than Donald Trump is forgotten for two and a half hours, I can't think of a bigger compliment. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been my review of Star Wars, Rogue One, The Star Wars Story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the movie. Uh, I hope you have a nice Christmas. I'm assuming we'll do a show before the holiday. But I just wanted to get this out there for everybody to listen to. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast one And you can email me on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Uh, Next time, AJ will be with me. I'm sure we'll talk about this again a little bit when we're together. This has been uh, Rogue One Review. I'm Nick Sarantos. I'm out! You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.